everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Gold Podcast. I'm your host for today, Isabel O'Brien, assistant editor here at Gold, and apologies, you do just have me today, but I do have a wonderful interview to share. Today, I'm delighted to be sharing a discussion that Jade Williams, Gold's editorial executive, had with Claudia Martinez, who is the research program manager for diabetes and generic medicines at the Access to Medicine Foundation. Now at the foundation, Claudia is responsible for the strategic development, execution and deployment of end-to-end research programs, which are designed to mobilize key players within the pharmaceutical industry to expand access to essential health products in low and middle income countries. Now in 2021, she was appointed to head up the foundation's new research stream, which was on access to generic medicines. And in this role, she oversees and supports the development of a first of its kind analytical framework to evaluate how generic and biosimilar medicine manufacturers can improve access to their products. Outside of the foundation, Claudia has held various research and advisory positions across the private and nonprofit sectors as well. She is a hugely interesting lady who is going to talk about a variety of topics around access to medicine. So without further ado, let's hand it over to Jade and Claudia. Hi, Claudia. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much, Jade. Oh, no worries. Um, The first question that I wanted to ask you today is what initially inspired you to join the Access to Medicine Foundation? Yeah, so I've always been drawn to topics around equality and disparity in general, right? So, and I think many of us working in this field, we have been somewhat confronted with the reality of what it means to not have access to care. So, for instance, in my home country, Chile, but also going deep into sort of learning about these issues by working in healthcare policy. But I would say, especially spending time abroad in, for instance, Africa and Asia and experiencing some of the challenges that exist on the ground, it's a very kind of stark reminder of how some people in the world do not, simply do not have access to the care or the medicines that they need and deserve just because they have been born in a specific country with a specific uh, healthcare system. And I think this is a big, difficult question, how to ensure that the poorest people in the world have access to the medicines that they need. And on the surface, uh, it seems like a relatively straightforward answer, right? Just provide more medicines, train more people, improve infrastructure. But of course, the issues that we see in access to healthcare are complex and multifaceted and actually require alignment between different actors. It's not something that can be solved by just one, any party working by themselves. But something that we do know is that the pharmaceutical and healthcare industries, as the ones manufacturing and supplying many of the products that are deemed critical for for low and middle income countries, they do play a very important role in access. And this is what we do at the Access to Medicine Foundation. We are a very small team of researchers, policy people, and scientists who work to guide the pharmaceutical industry to improve access. And we do this in different ways. Uh, We get consensus on what companies should be doing. So what are society's expectations of these companies? Then we evaluate their actions through research and rankings and benchmarks to really create more transparency in terms of what companies are doing. We identify some concrete opportunities for progress, which is incredibly important and and something that we do across our work is to really understand sort of what are the areas where companies should be stepping into, but also for each of the companies really looking a bit more at sort of 
what are the next steps specifically for that company in terms of products and countries that they should be um, addressing in terms of access to healthcare gaps. And finally, for us, it is also very important to share good practices. If we find good practices or companies that are going above and beyond, it is important that they are shared and adopted more broadly across the industry. So I guess going back to your question, what, what really inspired me to join the foundation is, of course, that we have a very clear mission. But we also have the credibility and we bring this credibility as an organization that is fully independent from the pharmaceutical industry. And yet we're able to set priorities for companies, but also to guide governments, investors and other key players to take action. Um, so that's a long answer for, for a short question. <laughs> No, it's great. And yeah, picking out credibility in there is definitely key. I agree. It's such a great cause. And I know that the work from the foundation has definitely enabled and enacted change within the industry. So yeah, very good work. Um, could you tell us a bit more about your specific work at the foundation? Um, typically your role leading the foundation's new generics and diabetes work streams? Yeah, so I, th I think one exciting step that we're making at the Access to Medicine Foundation is that last year we published our new strategic direction. So as part of that direction, we are expanding the scope of our work to other industries that are essential for the continuum of care for a patient. So not only the big innovative pharmaceutical companies that we know about, but also generic medicine manufacturers, vaccine manufacturers, companies that are manufacturing diagnostics and different devices, as well as medical oxygen. And I think this came, I guess, partly a realization from, from the COVID pandemic is sort of there are other players in industries that also need to play a role and they already play in very important roles in global health. And how do we create more transparency and how do we bring uh, a greater sets of structured priorities for these new industries uh, to really contribute more um, to solving some of these challenges, right? So in that sense, uh, the program that I lead at the Access to Medicine Foundation is one of the newer programs. Uh, it is a program specifically looking at generic medicine manufacturers. Uh, and last month, very exciting, uh, we launched the first ever evaluation framework for generic and biosimilar medicine manufacturers. In here, we outline the key areas where companies can make the most impact when it comes to access. And this is the result of over a year's worth of research and consultation and really understanding the access issues, but also the dynamics for this industry, which is vastly different from what we see with, with big pharma companies. And we are now in the process uh, of working to evaluate the first five companies later on this year. On our substream of, of work on diabetes care, we look specifically at access to insulin and how companies are working to improve this. Uh, the insulin manufacturing market is very concentrated. We have three companies that lead the market in LMICs, both on the manufacturing and supply sides. So it's really important for us to understand how these companies are performing when it comes to access to insulin, uh, especially for insulin is one of these products where... Uh, it's essential. So if you are an insulin-dependent patient, you do need insulin to survive. Yet we see that in many countries, there are still many gaps in terms of access and availability of insulin. So that's a core part of our work. And within this coming year, we're also going to be doing some extra work to understand access issues to other essential commodities. So say the monitoring devices that people living with diabetes need uh, in order to be able to manage their condition. 
Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I saw recently actually that Eli Lilly has slashed its prices for insulin about, was it 70%, I think, yeah. in the US? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great to see that finally greater access is actually becoming attainable for some patients and hopefully that can spread the world over. Absolutely. So you mentioned in there the new framework to assess generics manufacturers' impact on access. What's the response been so far to that? I think it has been really positive. I have to say that this is the first ever framework that actually exists to evaluate a group of generic and biosimilar medicine manufacturers in terms of access. So I think it's a welcome step. There's a lot of support uh, from different organizations as well to actually see a bit more uh, and understand a bit more about how these companies are improving access beyond their traditional model, right? So I think the development of the framework and the program more broadly really stems from the fact that generic medicine manufacturers, they have a very distinct and important role to play in global health. Um, and this is something that I think has been probably under the radar for, for, for years now. But we do know that these companies, they have wide manufacturing footprints. Many generic medicine manufacturers, they're actually headquartered in low and middle income markets so they can reach these markets more easily. They also have what we would call adaptive R&D capabilities, so they can invest in research and development to ensure that the products that are already in the market can be adapted to the needs of people living in low and middle income countries. So in this, in this sense, imagine sort of formulations specifically for children. So rather than having a tablet, maybe you can have a dispersible formulation that can be mixed into drinks or milk. So it just makes it easier for children to be able to, to access that or maybe products that need to be refrigerated. So these are sort of steps that these companies are already making, yet we don't know a lot about it uh, because no one has gone deep into analyzing sort of how they're contributing to access. Similarly, as we've seen with sort of HIV, but also with the COVID pandemic, when these generic medicine manufacturing companies work with innovator companies through licensing agreements, for example, they can also bring highly needed patented products into low and middle income countries. So I guess that's part of kind of the first, the reason why we've decided to look more deeply into it and why we think it's important. But there's a second part that I think is also very valuable, right? Uh, and maybe it's the most important one is that many medicines that are off patent and also available in generic form are not always available or affordable for people living in low and middle income countries. So this may sound a bit counterintuitive because we know that generic medicines are indeed cheaper than the original product, but in many cases, they may not be cheap enough for people to be able to access them. And this is particularly true for medicines for non-communicable diseases, oncology, diabetes. Uh, and that, so, so there is an issue around affordability. And in many cases, we also know that accessibility is not really there. So uh, even though these generic medicines are cheaper, in rural areas, in some low and middle income countries, people will definitely struggle to access some of these basic generic medicines. They will not be in pharmacy shelves. Mm, yeah, that is a very somber note to end on, I suppose, but it definitely is something that should be being considered by pharmaceutical companies. Generics are great and they've brought a lot to the market, but it's still presenting so many issues of access that hopefully this framework can help with. So what do you hope will come from the implementation of this new framework? Oh, that's a great question. So I think um, I, I would say probably three things. 
I think, first of all, and I think I mentioned it before, greater visibility and transparency regarding how different generic and biosimilar medicine companies are addressing access. We know that these companies are vastly different. So the companies that we're talking about are leading generic manufacturers that are operating out of India or globally. They do have the capacity to do more. They're already doing quite a lot. It's just that we don't know enough about the different strategies that they are implementing to improve access to different populations or the countries that they're reaching, right? So I think that's kind of the first objective for us. I think secondly, it's important that through this work, we can identify some areas of good practice, right? So what, what's working and what's not working. And when we find areas where we do see potential for improvement, really point those out so companies can step into those and really prioritize them. But I think ultimately for us is to inspire positive change and also sustained commitment to closing these gaps. It's not enough to just say, well, I mean, there's a shortage here or there's a gap here. It is about getting companies and other actors to also be able to commit to act on it. Um, and I guess it is about making this even a greater priority in the minds of companies, but also of governments, procurers and regulatory agencies as well. Mm, great. Well, I'll definitely be on the lookout to see what comes of the framework with a yeah. very close eye. <laughs> Seems great. Um, now, for those of you that don't know in the audience, Claudia did come onto the podcast in 2020 to discuss the Access to Medicine Foundation's 2021 index. And you spoke about how pharma could adapt its processes to reach the most vulnerable patient populations. Have you seen any improvements since then? Has there been much going on? Yeah, so actually, this is a, a very timely question because we launched uh, the latest Access to Medicine Index last November. Uh, so now there's fresh data coming in in terms of how 20 of the largest research-based companies are doing in terms of actions to expand access to medicine. Uh, we look at 108 low- and middle-income countries, and we also have a scope of products and conditions and diseases that we look at, right? Um, and I think, yeah, when I came onto the podcast last, um, I think we spoke about sort of companies making progress, and this is something something that we have definitely seen. Uh, but obviously, as usual, there are some areas where more efforts still needed. And I think this is uh, also the case uh, for this 2022 assessment. Uh, and I would say overall, we have seen companies take more steps to ensure access. We have seen a lot of progress when it comes to companies really thinking about access to medicine more strategically and not just as something that is part of their philanthropic efforts. And I would say that there are some more deliberate action to reach more people in low and middle income countries. So the index itself, the report is a very long and detailed uh, assessment. But I think some of the important things that we found this year uh, were, for example, that we still see some gaps when it comes to research and development for emerging infectious diseases. So this includes, for example, COVID-19, Lassa fever, Nipah virus. So these are like these emerging diseases that can have potentially a pandemic uh, implication if, if they go unaddressed, right? Uh, so back in 2021, we reported that because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we had seen a surge in the number of R&D projects that these big pharmaceutical companies were going into, uh, which was a very welcome change. However, we warned that this R&D was not necessarily focusing on other types of diseases that could also have a big impact uh, in the world, right? 
And what we see in 2022 is that only five out of the 20 companies are really investing in R&D for these types of diseases beyond COVID-19, right? So I think this is one of the, the, the problems that we see when you have such an empty pipeline for so many dangerous diseases, it really puts the world at risk of future epidemics and pandemics. So I think that was one of the key takeaways from, from uh, the latest index. We also found uh, a lot of progress, actually, in companies thinking about access to medicine early on. So I would say a couple of years ago, access to medicine would become maybe a bit of an afterthought or something that came at the point at which the products were reaching the market. We now see more companies systematically planning for access to medicine earlier on at the late stages of R&D. So even before the product reaches the market, companies are already thinking about how they're going to make that available or affordable for different populations in low and middle income countries. And we did find that six companies out of the 20, now they have plans in place for all of their products uh, at that R&D stage, which is really, really positive, right? So there is some positive things uh, to, to really highlight. We also find that when, when kind of products are in the market already, uh, companies are making more efforts to ensure that these products are covered by what we would call equitable pricing strategies or equitable access strategies, um, just to ensure that they are actually accessible and affordable to people. However, we do find, and this is one of one of the things that it also came uh, came as a finding in the latest, the, the previous index, uh, that many of these improvements they're still disproportionately favoring upper middle and lower middle income countries, and then you would find that the low income countries, the poorest of the poorest, they're still missing out. So we do need some more deliberate action from companies to really um, address the gaps for those countries where probably the markets are smaller, there's more challenges to, to bring in the products, uh, but also where we have a high burden of disease. And I would say something really, really interesting from, from this year's assessment is, and actually a very positive finding, is that there is more momentum for promoting the generic production of medicines. So we see more companies engaging in voluntary licensing, for example. 10 of the companies have at least one voluntary license, and probably you've read about this, and it's, it's, it's really an important move that Novartis, one of the companies that we look at, signed uh, last year the first voluntary license for a leukemia drug with the medicines patent pool. And this is the first ever agreement that is covering a non-communicable disease, right? So it, it really could have an impact. It could really uh, especially lay the groundwork for future agreements to come. Mm, that's amazing. Great to see the voluntary license from yeah. Novartis. Hopefully other companies can follow in their footsteps. It's really great to see that more companies are actually planning for access in their R&D stages, like you mentioned. Um, hopefully this can spread a bit more to those neglected countries as well. So delving a bit more into your personal life here, if you don't mind, but um, before your time at the foundation, you had research roles across many noble causes at organizations such as the Rainforest Foundation and Clarion Housing Group's Charitable Division Centra, as well as working in policy for Reform Think Tank. So it's quite a few there. What first set you on your course to enact positive change in the world? Oh, I mean, I think it's very personal, right? I think, I think, I mean, in my case, it's it's feeling that my time, skills, expertise are contributing to something that probably has a greater meaning and will have some type of impact, albeit very small, but impact nonetheless. And I think this is something that you get when working 
uh, in the non-for-profit sector or working for a particular cause, it can be hugely rewarding, hugely frustrating. Um, I think you do see sort of, I was, I was commenting earlier on how massive some of these problems are, right? So it can get quite discouraging at times when you're really trying and you, you don't see the impact or the progress that you would like to see. But um, I, I actually started off my career on a completely different pathway. Uh, I was working for the private sector. I was advising mining companies on their strategies. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong, it was incredibly exciting and challenging and I learned a lot. But I always sort of felt that adding more zeros to a company's financial bottom line was not specially inspiring to me. And I was particularly concerned about sort of the disconnect between my everyday work and what it would ultimately come out of it. So I think that's where I think working for this kind of types of jobs, types of causes uh, is, is something that has become quite, quite important for me. Mm, yeah, it's really great to see that passion that's really driving you forward. Um, now moving back into the pharma space, my next question for you is, what big moves would you like to see regarding access over the next five years? Yeah, so I think for for uh, big innovative R and D companies like your Pfizer's, GSK's, uh, we do know what what we would expect to see in the coming years. We do know the progress, and we acknowledge the the progress that these companies have made in terms of making products more available and affordable, and also developing new products. But I think something that we do need to see more action in the coming five years, uh, I would say probably three things from Big Pharma, right? I think companies need to continue to invest in research and development for those diseases that are of high burden or those that disproportionately affect the poorest countries. So we do need to see continued R&D investment. And, and actually, these companies have the tools, the capability, and the expertise to actually make this happen. I think the second one is these companies have obviously investment in new products. They're continuously investing in new products, but they also have existing products that are still out of the reach of many, many people. So I think effort has to go into making the new, but also the existing products available to more populations, especially the most neglected and vulnerable groups in low and middle income countries. And finally, I would say, I mean, I, we cannot shy away from the issue around pricing. And I think something that we have seen is more companies over the past few years thinking a bit more about who pays, right? So setting prices for their products in a way in which it really considers the range of payers. If it's the government, if it's the patients that are paying out of pocket, is it the private sector? So I think that kind of thinking needs to become fully embedded and more systematically embedded in the way in which companies are pricing their products and pricing their products equitably so they can be affordable for every type of population. I think if I can just probably kind of share some thoughts on, on what I see more broadly, because Big Pharma, as I was saying, just one part of the equation. But I think in future, what we would like to see is for other players to also step in to fulfill their roles in global health. And that's part of the work that we're trying to do as well. So whether that's generic medicine manufacturers, vaccine manufacturers, uh, companies that are operating in the medical oxygen space or diagnostics, uh, I think it's important that as a society, we also start thinking and we also start incentivizing this, this new healthcare, not new, but this, this healthcare industries to really uh, get them to think a bit more about how to improve access uh, in a more concerted way. 
Mm, definitely. I think everyone intrinsically wants to help the world in one way or another. And I guess having that collective initiative to change would be quite inspiring. So hopefully that is something we'll be able to see in the near future. Claudia, it has been an absolute delight to chat to you today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, thank you to both Jade and Claudia. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. It was great to hear from Claudia about the efforts of the Access to Medicine Foundation, of which I'm sure many of you will be aware of already, to ensure the greater access to medicine for all, as this really is an incredibly burning issue. As they said in the interview, companies do need to invest in R&D and rethink pricing structures to get their medicines into the hands of more patients in need. So hopefully that will be a closer reality than we think. But that does sadly bring us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much to Claudia for talking to us and thank you to you for listening. Do be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on our next episode. But until then, it's goodbye from me and I'll see you next time. Bye.